Okay, welcome back. Today is Thursday, October 8th, and we're continuing reading of Chittakashkita from Voice of the Self from M.P. Pandita from 1962. We ended last week mid-page 22, and uh, we will just uh, keep moving right ahead little by little. Um, last time we ended uh, towards the bottom of the page, and so we'll start with the last verses, the last verse, which is a little long, on 22, and move on from there. Uh, Nityananda said, All things have their seed inside, but for the cashew fruit the seed is outside. Like this seed, must one's mind be outside of samsara? And samsara, you can think of it as a cycle of birth and death or worldly life, the, the realm, the outer realm of changes. One shall not eat sugar oneself and give stone to the others. One shall not walk himself on the royal path and point others to the wild bypaths. To bring them to the royal road is dharma. Whether now or later... Tomorrow is not to be asked. Nothing is certain. As the train leaves the station, a telegram is received at the next station. The bell rings. That bell is the Bindu Nada. When a stone is thrown in a well, a sound is heard. Similarly is the Bindu Nada heard in the head. So this is a composite, and this verse probably had something to do with the devotees in the room uh, move and their relations with each other. So first we have the, as usual, uh, simple analogies, simple daily life phenomena um, interpreted <clears throat> from a spiritual perspective in terms of symbolic meaning. So seeds are commonly inside for the cashew fruit. The seed is outside. I've never seen what that looks like. It sounds strange. Um, like this distinction between inside and outside, there is the outer world and there is um, body-mind-spirit transformation inner process. So there's me and the world. Certainly that's how it appears, the dualistic perception, subject-object, um, until we're finished with subjectivity. Uh, there is uh, important and less important. There is helpful-harmful. There's inner-outer there's a scale of value. And in terms of what he's saying, what's important is uh, pay attention or keep your focus in terms of your working on the inner and on what's separate from the... Um, separate from, from that which um, is consequential rather than causal. <laughs> And, and you'll see that here, too, uh, where he says, when the train leaves the station, a telegram is received at the next station. This is causality. Um, by the very, in the, in the train system of India, which he loved, um, as a train leaves, yeah, there's some recognition to the next station that something that has happened. As action occurs, uh, the effects are already being developed. And so pay attention to effect. There's no effect without a cause. Um, there's
there's no cause there's no phenomena that's not causal and so where you pay attention to the inside or the outside is a cause with effects and the scale of values that one lives by is a cause is, is a seeding of causes is a field of causes that seed the future and so likewise um, there's relationship and one's relations to others should be sort of like treat others as you'd like them to treat you or treat others as you treat yourself uh, it's not the righteous way that you would want that someone would take the good and give you the bad so don't eat the sugar and give the stone you know something uh, on inedible to others um, and if you're on a spiritual path uh, help others themselves don't bring them down so this is about service right so uh, bring them to the royal road is Dharma or Dhamma or the way or the truth and Nityananda once said do your Danda meaning do your personal incarnational responsibilities uh, fulfill your obligations uh, whatever they truly are uh, while nothing is certain um, change continues uh, endlessly everything is causal <laughs> and if you want a better future pay attention to the causes you're seeding right today and if you want good relationship treat people well like you wish they treat you very simple straightforward and if you want a uh, deep well-being pay attention to the causes and the the appropriate field of attention which is inner not outer like the seed not the um, husk and then we have uh, the bell ringing like the telegram at the next station the bell now he's going talking about um, yogic process Bindu Nada is a phrase that, uh, or Nada Bindu, is a phrase that not, is not commonly used. Um, I found a page from classicyogaco.in, I'll put the link in later, on uh, Nada Bindu Upanishad from uh, somebody from the south of Tamil Nadu, it looks like. I can't say his first name because it's really long, but the last name seems to be Sivasu Brahmaniam. Sivasu Brahmanian. Brahmaniam. And he or she says, Nada Bindu Upanishad. So it's a text. Is the 38th of 108 Upanishads. Forms part of the Rig Veda, classic Hindu Vedantic text. Nada is the sound heard in the ear during deep meditation. Bindu means the dot. So women. Indian women with a red dot on the forehead, that's called a bindu. It also means, and now we have a moaning tomcat who never got his girl. Well, she'd rather starve to death than hunt on her own. This was cat life outside my room. It's quite a strange matter of investigating lower, tri lower second chakra blockage. Bindu means the dot also the drop, the sperm, and the starting point. So you have countless terms for the same phenomenon. It gets a lot of people confused. The sound of Om is the starting point of cosmos, right? What Nityananda calls Omkar. Similar to the Logos, the word and the one that made the word. Solar Logos uh, made the word, the Logos made light. Likewise, Om makes light. Om is 
um, the vibration of the logos or the word. That's the point. And it's not a word, it's a sound that gave rise to light. Cosmos begins out of Bindu, right? There you go. So Bindu as a dot or a drop, as the seed um, cause of creation, cosmos meaning dimensionalities and rays, seven rays and octaves and beings and planets and galaxies and all that, physical and metaphysical. The physical and the metaphysical is cosmos, and that came out of Om, which is a bindu, which is the vibratory, you know, letting there be light, the vibratory power, the action of free will upon love. <laughs> yeah, just like Ra said. The action of free will upon love of the one infinite creator giving rise to light is the uttering of the Om. Om is sounded as a bindu drop seed point of uh, from which all light issues by the action of free will upon love. Boom. And so... And it says, Cosmos begins out of Bindu and dissolves into Bindu. Nada Bindu Upanishad, the document, is the philosophy of the sound Om. Mm. All right. And so, uh, another way of saying something close to what I said, in terms of there being a process by which light is born, it's vibratory, it's deliberate, it's intentional, uh, it's pre-creational, pre-luminal. Uh, and one may return uh, to more or less to an experience certainly resonant with that by meditative practice. And that's Bindu Nada Her in the head. Next, Nityananda said, As one passes the first standard and enters the second, one leaves behind the books of the first. In sound sleep, there's neither sun nor moon nor stars nor anything. Then there is no mind. Sleep is a subtle condition, not gross. In sleep, there is no feeling of the physical body. One is aware of only the self. This means spiritual sleep. There is sleep when the self is stable. What is seen leaving oneself is only a reflection. The delusion of the mind is not permanent. It is not Shiva. And so, again, a verse that... Uh, links together many observations that are revealed to have a deep yogic and spiritual significance. So, yeah, children, school, boys and girls go from one standard to the next or one grade to the next and leave behind the learnings of the prior. Uh, <laughs> as an aside, uh, with this group of 3D repeaters here, uh, what we find is a lot of souls who have not finished their 3D standard or graduated to the next fourth and therefore haven't yet finished the lessons or let's say the experiential catalyst, strictly called catalyst by Ra but commonly called life experience, uh, which are um, the mainstay of the learning of this grade of soul evolution, their density. So... When one no longer needs these lessons of love for learning the ways of love, when one is sufficiently open green ray, one is no longer needed to incarnate in third density physical. They haven't, you know, 90%, 95%, something like that, 90%, let's be kindly, 
90% of the people here have not activated green ray sufficiently. That brings countless distortions in its train, in its wake. And so uh, we should bear that in mind. That's not a judgmentalism at all. It's simply a fact, a metaphysical fact that one can accept or reject. And if it's accepted, it needs to be, it can be well understood with its ramifications or it's a seed. That reality can be seen as a seed with multiple effects as a cause and a result. This is the moaning male. His name is Luke. I must say, I, I really... <laughs> I had a cat when I was growing up. Her name was Cleopatra. She was very well-mannered. She was very aloof um, and lived a long old life. And the wild cats are really kind of deficient. They're really quite far from harvestability to third, it seems to me. <laughs> so he's trying to catch her and she doesn't care. She just waits to be fed by me and has no other purpose in life, it seems. So it's my drama of uh, dealing with uh, low-end felines. They're very cute, but their consciousness is really quite distorted. Yeah, anyway. Um, sound sleep means yogic sleep, means dreamless sleep, means um, quiescence, quiet mind. There's sound sleep physically, there's also sound sleep while physically active, meaning awake in, the, in this world. So, um, in both, whether it's a yogic physical sleep or samadhi type sleep of non-proliferation, a quiet mind, equanimity, then there is no mind. And so mind is really the activity of mind. And um, at higher levels than I've achieved, um, there is this experience of no mind. Just like the Rob Rob saying, you know, the crystallized healer has no will. So there's no will? It's no personal distorted willing, just like no personal distorted mental process. That's the no mind. There is awareness and responsibility or capacity for response. So sleep is subtle. Likewise, a quiet mind is subtle. Uh, likewise, um, there's much truth that can only be seen by a quiet mind. <laughs> there are many things that many people don't see or we don't see much, mainly because our mind is not quiet enough to reflect into, to, to reflect to the conscious mind what is that is subtle. So in sleep, there's no feeling of physical body. One's aware of only the self. Um, but once one's thinking, that's different. So aware of self is not the same as thinking self. It's in fact common that there's awareness before there's a thought recognition of the nature of that awareness. There's breakthrough before the conceptualization of the breakthrough. There is sleep when the self is stable. This is a, good for uh, doctors and patients and uh, also for yogas, yogins. Um, one can rest the mind... Um, and rest the body when one's um, place in one's life is rested and well settled. So disturbed sleep physically, physical sleep, comes from disturbed mind, uh, which is commonly associated with a um, distorted life, relationships or physical environment, 
or position in one's situation interpersonally or socially, that needs to be resolved. And so uh, people, place, and work, right? Those need to be resolved before there can be really a, sal- a, a stable self, even though there's no self or no substantial subjective, you know, eternal subjective thing or person inside somewhere. Um, there is the sense of self. There is um, aware one's awareness and mind. There is mind. <laughs> the mind is stable when one's life is well settled or uh, congruent with one's needs, desires partly and needs both. Anyway, uh, likewise, uh, there can be a quiet mind it's, it, when one um, has settled. Um, many, many, uh, any, any kind of outstanding conflicts and questions. So the, the value of looking at pain is the value of looking at causes of distress to address them, to resolve them, to move out of distress, to make a more stable mind, which can sleep, which can rest. So Shila precedes Samadhi and Prajna in Buddhism very much so. Then there's also this very subtle point. What's seen leaving oneself is only a reflection and delusion of the mind is not permanent. It's not Shiva. Shiva like crown chakra, Brahmarandra, and uh, the Kundalini rising up like Shakti. So Shakti comes up and meets Shiva at the crown. That's the Kundalini circuit, one can say. There are other ways of saying the same thing. Uh, In terms of reality or Sat, um, uh, the delusions of mind or the mental process, particularly uh, manas, is not permanent. Anything that's not permanent is, delu- is a delusion <laughs> from the perspective of eternal sat or truth or reality. The, 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 the truth of non-duality, the truth of unity or uh, metaphysical, physical, inter- you know... Um, Identity, the physical, non-physical, uh, inseparable as one. Um, whenever one leaves the whole, whenever one leaves the self, one is leaving the real. And this is ca- self with a capital S, if you want to call it that, or sat, which is not a personal. You know, this this self is basically unbound awareness or non-dual awareness. Um, free of clinging and craving, actually. I mean, it really is full enlightenment he's talking about. And so, but but don't leave yourself <laughs> is good guidance. Don't, don't betray yourself. Don't depart uh, from what's real or important as much as you can know real and important. Um, and so there's like Cato, Plato's cave, right? There's the reflection and then there's the substance. Even though the substance is relative, the reflection is even less <laughs> real. And so, uh, when one leaves home, one may get lost. When one stays home, one may uh, one may enjoy um, unending rest. <laughs> All right, that's one way of putting it. Mid page twenty. Three. On graduating in law, 
one receives the gown, covering from head to toe. It has four arms, two hands and two legs. Sat and Chit make Ananda. Brahmananda, Paramananda, Sri Satchitananda, Sri Yogananda. For him who leaves Boga, enjoyment, sensual pleasure. There is the delight, Ananda, or bliss of Yoga, Yogananda. There is Ananda on knowing the essence of Ananda Parabrahman. There is Ananda on knowing Jivatman. There is Ananda. So, uh, the gown upon graduating law school, four arms, two and two. Uh, I don't really see a four here, but uh, I see a lot of different things. One thing that is interesting is, I mean, you can say that, that the law graduation gown covering from head to toe and four arms is a complete covering of body by the gown of graduation. Uh, law is a little bit like sat <laughs> or dharma. Dharma is commonly translated as law. You know, Buddha Dharma is uh, the dharma of the law. Uh, but but dharma, Pali is ba dharma. The dharma or the law is really um, not not separate from sat or reality or truth. But it's not a dualistic conceptual truth. It's the truth of reality beyond conception and illusion. Okay, what's that? Well, if you put it into concept, again, it's a finger pointing to the moon. It's the moon. Or it is what is. Um, the emptiness of phenomena and the suchness of uh, its true nature. <laughs> so things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise. So not mistaking um, appearance for total reality and yet acknowledging that total reality appears um, through its appearance, through differentiated multiple appearance. The many is the one, the one takes form in the many, the nature of the many is one, and the expression of the one is the many, and that's, um, and that's it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and knowing that holism, or being beyond, um, unneeded differentiation, one feels bliss, ananda. Interestingly, the, the common term, Satchitananda, which is a, a yogi's name for, you know, very famous Swami Satchitananda, but, and a lot of yogis have that name too, but Satchit, making ananda, Sat is right, and Chit is mind, the essence of mind, not the division of manas and buddhi, but the whole that uh, includes manas and buddhi, could be called mind, or it could be called chit. Chit in many ways could be called consciousness also. So the union of truth and consciousness means that, you know, um, unlimited awareness. The, the movement from uh, dualistic subjectivity to non-dual universal awareness. Non-dual universal awareness is the difference between the term awareness and consciousness. Consciousness, Gautama said, fits kind of consciousness, born of ignorance. No more avidya, no more ignorance equals no more subjectivist consciousness, meaning no more eighth fetter conceit, meaning no more I, 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 me, my consciousness, but all is all awareness. I think that's chit. And so the union of one's own 
consciousness becoming awareness and awareness of reality, truth, sat, is blissful. Yeah, it's a happy time. <laughs> it's beyond me. I'm not finished with the octave. Uh, Brahmananda is the bliss of Brahma. Paramananda, the bliss of the beyond, the greater than um, the limit, you know, the illusion of limits. Sri Satchitananda is the same Satchitananda, Satchitananda. And that's, you know, like putting him as a guy, Mr. Mister uh, Truth, Consciousness, Truth, Awareness, Bliss, Yogananda, Bliss of Yoga, like uh, Yogananda, the famous Swami who came to the West. And then the, the point is that there's a transit from outer to inner or from a relative to absolute and from attachment to boga, meaning sensuality, uh, there is a greater happiness of ananda or bliss, the bliss of, of freedom from false subjectivity um, and false belief or wrong view, the bliss of moving out of confusion. And right view is um, actually more than um, conceptual right view. There's conceptual right view, uh, the tree is uh, brown and the leaves are green, the sky is blue. But there's also uh, essential um, truth and um, conceptual. Uh, there's essential truth that's transconceptual. And then there's relatively true concept that helps us on that path. That's the point. The ra there, there is a raft and there is uh, floating carcasses. <laughs> If you want to get to the other shore, find the raft and don't try to mount the, car the, the floating carcasses. Mount the raft, don't mount the carcass. And then if you mount the raft, you've basically using a true concept, <clears throat> relatively empty, but useful, functionally useful concept called right view, like this teaching <laughs> in concept, to get to the further shore after which time one can drop the concept or use any concept or none. Uh, and one gets to truth beyond concept. And that is Ananda. Bottom page 23, Nityananda said, For one without a guru, there is no realization of the true state. In the world, there is no effect without cause. To see light in the darkness of the world is knowledge, vidya. Darkness, avidya, is ignorance or darkness is avidya, light is knowledge. Strive not for outer fame, nourishing deception within. Speak what you do and do what you speak. It's a very important phrase here. Strive not for outer fame, nourishing deception within. Very, boom, a real cut through, cutting Vajra sword wisdom there, I think. Uh, commonly, outer fame maintains um, inner neurosis, distortion, wrong view, um, and, and some kind of um, damaged mind uh, attachment. I mean, social justice warrioring, warriorism, as a cover for, as a defense mechanism to avoid looking at my pain and wounding and sorrow. Common, common, that those that want to... Um, change the world and save the world, uh, reform the outer, the society. Um, not everyone, but many of them come 
to that work as an avoidance of their self-deception, wounding, pain, um, that which for that for which they feel shame and guilt, uh, self low self-esteem, uh, self-blame, self-judgment, regret, remorse, all sorts of painful mental states associated with painful personal truths and personal experience uh, being avoided by the striving for outer fame and engagement. Very common, a very 3D, very yellow ray blockage. In the world, there's no effect without cause. Everything we see can be understood as effect with multiple causes. So if you want to understand how to get rid of this, try to consider how it was caused. What are the multiple, some of the multiple causes, the primary causes? There's not one, there are many. What are the primary causes among the multiple causes? Well, look in. And when you identify them, you might be able to um, bring love, light, understanding, forgiveness to them and then uh, find that um, the symptoms or the consequences uh, dissolve or get weaker or go away. Now, that is not the same as situations where bold action is required, meaning somebody's trying to hurt us or deceive us or something, something, it's probably necessary to make strong corrective action of speech or behavior. That's different. Anyway, obviously, seeing light and darkness of the world is knowledge, and so this is the, the transit from avidya to vidya. Uh, avidya means no vidya. Vidya means knowledge or awareness. Knowledge or... Mm, particularly knowledge, let's just say that. So, and then if you speak what you do and do what you speak, um, there's an integration between um, behavior and speech, right? Thought, word, and deed. Word and deed are consonant, are resonant. It's very important. Just like the resonance of thought and word and deed. Meaning, speak what you believe and do what you believe. If possible. <laughs> as much as possible. Without hurting anybody. Top of page 24. Okay, we're 30 minutes in. Nityananda said, at the time of death, leave the wild path and take the royal road. It may well be hell at the time of death, due to excess of wind, bile, and phlegm. So, <laughs> we just went over yesterday in Sutta Nipata, the Kokalika Sutta in Mahavaga of the the deluded follower of deluded Devadatta trying to cause a schism in the Sangha, um, dying rapidly thereafter, going to hell. And uh, what is the papa, papa, or I don't know if it's papa or papa, uh, means evil in Sanskrit that led to that. Well, uh, one way to look at it is uh, one souls may well go to hell uh, due to excess of wind, bile, and phlegm meaning the element bodily body bodily element disturbance disharmony of the bodily elements the three of these wind bile phlegm are related to what's also called the three gunas guna and these are this is from sankhya samkhya philosophy a guna this is from wikipedia one of three tendencies or qualities also they came the, the word guna actually means thread very much like Tantra means thread. So that there it's very interesting that the original meaning of a number of Sanskrit terms 
is much more subtle philosophically than how it came to mean later. And so to call, to say that a guna is more, um, uh, more so a thread. <laughs> its original and common meaning is a thread. The original materials that weave together to make up reality. Um, it's not static, nothing static, that's the point. It's not a thing, it's a tendency of energy. It's an energy tendency. The same thing with the four elements, they're not things. When you see a piece of rock, you say that's earth. Actually, within that mineral, all four elements can be determined, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, meaning, within that element, we have the tendencies of earth, which is stasis or stability, solidity, unmovability, and water, liquidity, or absorption, absorbability, or um, dissolution. There is gradual dissolution happening in that rock, but we can't see it. Likewise, that occurs by a combustive force, intracellular fire, I would say, heat. A very, very small amount in a very small position, like a cell, between a cell and a cell membrane. A cell. Are there cells in rocks? Well, there's lattice. <laughs> lattice of what? Lattice of, of molecules. Um, what's that? Well, okay, maybe there are no cells. Sorry. But there would be um, movement of <laughs> atomic particles, right? Neutron, protons, uh, electrons. That's There's wind and air there. <laughs> there's fire, which is some kind of friction or um, heat or um, energy associated with um, interaction of moving particles. That is associated with gross change in the molecular lattice of the rock. And that's associated with water. And um, so therefore, rock is not simply earth. Um, the the four-element theory like Guna theory, is much more subtle. It's not any metaphysic. it's a, not a physical, it can be understood as physical manifestation, but actually, essentially, these are tendencies of, of energy and vibratory, um, quality of vibra vibratory activity and field. Anyway, um, the Gunas, uh, commonly as Sattva, Rajas, Tamas, uh, maybe, I think this is related to wind, bile, and phlegm. But in any way, um, it's interesting to look. Um, one of the ways, you know, th this is a, a cosmological chiedism, um the nature of the cosmos metaphysically explained in terms of a triad or trinity. So this is another trinity or triad that we find um, as an understanding of the body, but also tendencies in nature or tendencies of energy and, and how cause um, becomes effect or how phenomena change over time. Anyway, yes, <laughs> some people try to leave the wild path and still go to a lower zone after death. That's a problem. Going on, Nichinanda said, men there are plenty to attend on those who have passed the ICS, I think it's some exam, but none to look at this. No one can speak of the freedom of Jivan Mukti. And so maybe part of the devotee community that night was somebody from uh, the academic industry 
and they pass some ICS, whatever that is, a test or a, or a standard, but nobody sees what he sees. <laughs> so, um, you know, teachers have to deal with uh, students or devotees or people approaching with all different temperaments. And um, people commonly go to a guru with mixed motives. They want something to help themselves from the guru, but they don't fully want to admit their um, distortions and wrong views and pride and um, stumbling blocks. So help me without criticizing me. <laughs> help me without identifying my points that need correction and improvement. Something like that. That's not unusual. So only Nityananda speaks of uh, Jivan Mukti. Going on, middle page 24. From the beginning, the truth, or sat, I think, is enunciated by Shiva, is one, one, one alone. Meaning, Shiva sat, or the sat of reality, truth, that is enunciated by Shiva, or Godhead, or the Logos, is unity. And um, that's a... First level, <laughs> awakening on the way back to infinity. Nityananda said, Suffering come from Shiva is no suffering, nor grief from him is grief. That is a delusion of the mind. Grief at the outset, grief at the end. Tears from the eye when one is born of the womb. And so... Um, it's a delusion of your mind to think that spiritually based suffering is suffering or grief from God is grief. What is grief or suffering from Shiva? I don't really know what he meant. There certainly is grief and suffering that comes for those that are serious and uh, sincerely engaged in spiritual work. That could be called coming from Shiva, coming from Godhead or karma. Um, it's also very, I mean, very high souls see um, painful karmic return or painful experience as righteous karmic rebalancing. So painful experience in body illness or relationship or social life or finance or world condition uh, participation, uh, grief and suffering as painful catalyst, as a blessed uh, karmic return from God. Um, you know, thank you, uh, fully enlightened Job, <laughs> which is not the case in the in the in the in the scripture, but a fully uh, awakened Job saying, "Thank you, dear Lord, for all this suffering and pain, uh, because it helps me get closer to you um, in the end." Or it helps me praise the Lord more fully. You can't just praise the Lord when miracles and good things happen. You got to praise the Lord when misery is a, is is well uh, well experienced or in the present. Misery, grief, suffering. Can you praise the Lord, or um, see that all is one, or feel some gratitude, just as you feel gratitude when a blessing comes? That's a real challenge. Tears from the eye when one is born of the womb. 
the sorrow of physical incarnation. And so many awake wanderers, or some awake wanderers, would realize, part of my problem is simply that I'm here. <laughs> I don't like this dimensionality. And aside from humanity and their problems and issues, um, it's painful for me being here in this body, in this world, in this dimension. Uh, tears from the eye when one is born from the womb. Tears from the eye living in a physical 3D body. Okay, we need compassion for ourselves and um, this too shall pass. And grief at the outset, grief in the end, when one doesn't change one ways, one's ways. So where we were at the start is where we'll be at the end if we don't change our ways. <laughs> so uh, positive change is important. Middle page 24, Nityananda said, It is Shiva. Justice is Shiva. What is called injustice is also Shiva. Leaving injustice, O oh mind, resort to justice. I'm not sure the Sanskrit word for justice, but it's cute that he said justice is Shiva, but what is called injustice is also Shiva. It's all God. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the point. That's the, similar to praising the Lord um, as one's uh, dying or as one's in, in existential pain. Uh, that's pretty high. I, I can't say I can do that, or at least mostly <laughs> I couldn't, depending, depending. So um, justice is of um, the logoic, is, is, you know, it's like uh, all, all phenomena are karmically just or metaphysically just because they're karmically lawful. All phenomena are metaphysically just or divine and thus metaphysically just and fair because they're karmically lawfully generated, including injustice. So injustice is justice. Uh, that doesn't really help <laughs> in many cases. Commonly, action needs to be done against injustice, uh, and sometimes nothing can be done. And then, just like this, uh, praising the Lord um, in 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 the in in the gas chamber, or in the uh, execution room, or in the dungeon, um, seeing that pain from a metaphysical perspective as divinely um, lawful. It's not like God wants to punish you, but by way of the law of karma, it's karmically deserved. Um, Different causes make different effects, and whatever phenomena could be seen as the effects of causes that I myself generated, just like in Kokalika Sutta, Gautama saying, you can go anywhere you want, but you can't escape your karma, and you can go anywhere you want, but you can't escape death, or the end of this physical body. So, uh, injustice is justice too. <laughs> Leaving injustice, oh mind, resort to justice. Uh, see the justice of phenomenal appearance of arising and passing away and uh, you know leverage it to your own benefit which is very much what Buddhism talking about in terms of merit making merit and Buddhism you know in Thailand they talk about making merit like going to the temple giving them robes and putting flowers and incense in front of the Buddha statue but uh, it was the basic you know before it became kind of commercial and um, a little bit crude. Gautama's teaching to lay people was basically 
you're not gunning for nirvana, obviously. You could, however, have a pleasant higher dimensional rebirth and establish conditions that will bring you closer and closer and closer to final release by making merit or by doing good karma, by karma, by generosity particularly. Number one, gener- number one means of generating good karma or merit is dana, generosity, number one. And that's generosity of anything that is rightly given. <laughs> your time, your attention, your um, care, um, as well as food and money and flowers and robes and all sorts of things. Um, rightly given. Going on, bottom page 24, Nityananda said, The soul of Omkara is one in Omkara, and Omkara is a, is a conjunction between Om and Karma. Omkarma becomes Omkar. Omkara is Omkar, is Om and Karma is basically the making of Om, or what Om makes, which is basically letting there be light. You know, the the performance uh, of light generation. So Omkara is um, the generation of light, and what light's generation further creates. The soul of Omkara, now what the heck does that mean, the soul of Omkara? So you'll see, he, he you know, uses words quite freely, like most... <laughs> Completed teachers do. The soul of Omkara is one, meaning its essence is unity. In Omkara is the dissolution of the creation. In Omkara is the dissolution of mind. Omkara is indeed the eternal Atman within yourself. Okay, that's a little different. In Omkara there is no division because in the divisible there cannot be the whole. In the beginning the truth or Sat taught by Shiva is one only. When you sit inside a room closing the doors, you do not know what happens outside. When the doors are shut, the Jivatman and the Paramatman are one. When you come out opening the doors, then the Jivatman and Paramatman are different. Mm-mm-mm. Omkara or Omkar is indivisible. Omkar itself is creation. It is Omkara which is magic, thought, action, mind, and activity of citta. Now, I don't know if sure this was how this dash is used, but you can also read that sentence as, it's omkara, or omkara, which is magic thought, action, mind, and activity of citta. In this citta is the activating light, and citta produces desire. Okay, so the soul of omkara is unity. The heart or essence of of his use of the term Omkara is unity. And again, Om as the original um, sound of God that gave rise to light and the cosmos. And Kar, you know, that, that action could be called Omkar, the, the karma of Om, the karma or karma or action of generating light by Om. That is a unitive uh, phenomenon <laughs> or activity. Now, it's also the dissolution of creation because it's prior. It's also the dissolution of diversity or differentiation because it's not many, it's one. It's in fact beyond one. In Omkara is dissolution of mind. So before there was mind, there was no mind. Before there was creation, there was no creation. Uh, Before there was Omkara, there was no uh, vibratory 
generation of light. There was intelligent infinity, or Parabrahman uh, as is. Uh, and then he calls Omkar the eternal Atman, and you can say that this is the uh, divinity, spark, so-called spark of divinity of higher self, where higher self, Ra said, is a sub-sub-logos, as the solar is a sub-logos, and the galactic is the logos. So the logos, as the galactic, differentiates in some solar systems as a solar logos, sub-logos, then in those solar systems in which we have now a solar logos officiating the uh, progress of the seven dimensions, uh, there will generally be uh, an atmanic point of unita- unity, unitive um, awareness or unified self-consciousness. Not yet finished with um, the not yet finished with the path, but of the same essent essence as the logos, which is finished with the path or finished with the octave. The path is the octave. Finishing the octave is finishing the path, or finishing the path is leaving the octave. Atman has not yet done so. Logos is prior to. Yet, um, the nature of the true nature of Atman is the true nature of para, is Parabrahman. What was prior? In Omkar, there's no division, because in divisible there can't be a whole. Okay, that's kind of logical. The truth taught by Shiva is one only, so Sat, like Omkar, is of one. It's really prior, but we can certainly say it's not divisible. Then we have this very simple homily. (laughs) When you sit in a room closing the doors, you don't know what happens outside. Sure. Then... um, uh, giving a positive valuation to sitting in your room with the door shut. Jivatman and Paramatman, meaning higher Atman is higher self. Uh, Jivatman is um, hi, the soul of higher self, or the beingness of higher self, or higher self. I mean, to say there's a big difference between Atman and Jivatman um, is beyond my my technical understanding, but. <clears throat> the union of the reincarnating soul, Jiva, and its sponsor, Atman, uh, the union of the reincarnating soul, the reincarnating soul, <laughs> which gives rise to what we call mind-body-spirit complex. It's really this, the mind-body-spirit complex, mind, body, complex in time and space, evolving by reincarnation. That could be called Jiva. That also could be called soul. That is not the same as Atman, but it you but it evolves to sixth density, or the mind can do that work of union, and then it becomes jivatma. When that unified atman and soul, or soul absorbed atman, or atman unified soul leaves the octave, it goes to paramatman, paramatman, and so the uh, you know I I I is intelligent infinity. Uh, I is the one is known when you close your doors. <laughs> uh, when you open your doors, then there is uh, differentiated uh, phenomena. But uh, prior to differentiation is um, the reality of um, unity, which is non-divisible or non-differentiated. And that includes the reality that um, Atman um is of the same substance, which is called infinity, <laughs> intelligent infinity, as the solar logos. 
So I call Jivatman the Atman achieved soul, Atman unified soul, Paramatman as the logos. Uh, they are one. They are one. <laughs> Whether you know it or not, whether the doors are open or closed, that's one. Uh, but the mind must be beyond uh, the samskarak process of eternal uh, thought form production, uh, at least attachment to it, to realize that unity. So then omkara is indivisible, uh, and then omkara itself is creation. So um, the generation, uh, the generation of light by om vibration is creation, right, creation of light. And then Omkar, or this source vibratory act, um, uh, prime, you know, the, the prime mover. Omkar is a, a word for the prime mover that generated light. And that then, sure, generates uh, beings, thought, and activity, and then even differentiated mind, and then mental activity. Uh, and so it's in the chitta, in mind um, or consciousness um, or awareness. I mean, again, I, I'm not perfectly clear about all the different ways of translating all these different Sanskrit terms. There's a lot of overlap. Um, but to say that chitta is, uh, you know, when, when sat and chit are one, then uh, one is in unbound awareness, not subjective. But here, saying chit um, seems to be not yet, <laughs> not a still subjectivist mind process. It's activating light, and chitta produces desire. Yeah, God produces desire. <laughs> Infinity produces desire. You can say that too. Um, so... Uh, personal desire comes from what mind is and what mind is depends on what level or what expansion of understanding you're talking from so middle page 25 and we're almost finished no a little bit more sat is nityananda said sat is the indivisible subtle thought chit is what is changing Sat and Chit together result in Ananda, Satchitananda, Sri Nityananda, Sri Paramananda. The union of Jivatman and Paramatman is Ananda, Yogananda, Paramananda, Satchitananda, Brahmananda. Alright? So he was in a lot of bliss. That's why they called him Nityananda. And so we're talking about the union of Sat and Chit creating Ananda, or what is the nature of Satchitananda? So Satchitananda can be understood as um, a the, the condition or the reality of the fully released being. So in Mukti is Satchitananda. In Moksha, Moksha, the experience of Moksha, I mean, I'm not there, so what can I say? <laughs> so it seems the experience of Moksha is Satchitananda. Satchitananda is a three-part word from Sat and Chitananda. Sat, again, as truth. But here he's calling it indivisible, subtle thought. Indivisible thought is not thought. <laughs> it's not conceptual thought. It's indivisible. It's, it's, it's non-divided. It's non-differentiated. It's subtle because it's not gross, because it's not thought form. 
So to call it thought is problematic. It's really, um, I mean, here, again, he's calling it subtle thought. I called it truth or reality. Um, he's talking about the union of sat and chit producing ananda. Chit is what is changing. Uh, chit can be seen as mind or true mind or awareness or consciousness. But uh, the union of subtle thought with what's changing creates ananda. That's weird. I don't get that. So it looks, I, I don't really understand this. Um, if you, it, it, the union of what's subtle thought with what's changing, but changing chit is mind or consciousness or awareness. In, in any case, it's, uh, when he says what is changing, he's saying that the personal mind always changes because we're under a vidya. <laughs> so before full enlightenment, um, there is continual activity of manas and buddhi, and that's the always changing chit. But the chit can also be unified with sat. And when, sit and chat, when chit and sat, chit, not, not shit, you know, Chit and Shat, or Chid and Sat, are unified. You got Ananda, or Satchitananda, which is all those other words, which basically is the bliss of all those other states, the bliss of beyond, or the eternal bliss, or the bliss of uh, Brahma, or the bl the bliss of Jiva. Uh, I think the point is that when the essence of mind has become truth, <laughs> when uh, transpersonal, uh, eternal, or completely transconceptual reality is not separate from this mind, then we have Satchit that is Satchit Ananda, or we have Satchit uh, together resulting in Ananda. Uh, going through, <clears throat> next on page 25, Nityananda said, regard Regard the Lord who is in the heart. See Lord Krishna of eternal delight. To see only the stone is delusion. The pain at the time of death is not given by God. All sorrow is a delusion of the mind. Laud or praise him within. Laud him in your heart or in your head. Regard, regard, regard means look. Look, look and see the secret of Parabrahman of eternal delight. Look, look into the heart, not by physical sight, but by the subtle vision. Look with inner sight on the royal road. Give up the downward course and take to the middle path to embellish the physical body without knowledge of the true significance is the downward path. There is none mad in the world. <laughs> Um, he, there may have been a Krishna devotee in the room in attendance at that time. Um, is he saying, look at me, I'm Krishna? I don't know what he was referring. Look at the Lord who's in the heart. Um, God, you know, the kingdom of heaven is within. <laughs> because the king of heaven is within. The kingdom of heaven is the place of the king of heaven. And the king of heaven, <clears throat> you know, at best, <laughs> free of uh, all sorts of insane human overlay, is uh, one infinite creator. So that's the, a point that <laughs> the nature of jiva is Atman, 
and the nature of Atman is Paramatman, and the nature of Paramatman is the Logos, or uh, straight out of Compton, no, straight out of the One Infinite Creator, <laughs> not straight out of Compton, straight out of um, one, tel- one, you know, the intelligent infinity, the One Infinite Creator, the Divine Godhead, Absolute Source, uh, all comes in a straight line from that, including little old me, and you, and the conscious mind. And Ra even said, in a secret passage, uh, conscious mind could be called sub-sub-sub-logos. Very obscure reference. So, to see only the stone is delusion, meaning don't see the outer only. The pain at time of death is not made by God. Now, you can say everything is given by God, but uh, maybe somebody <laughs> in the room was uh, irresponsible. And so, we make our pain, we make our pleasure, while God or uh, intelligent infinity made the laws by which causality occurs. All sorrow is a delusion of the mind. All sorrow is basically associated with the grief of loss. The grief of loss comes from the valuation of the holding of that which is was lost. The value of holding and keeping this or that or whatever, the value, the, the value put or placed upon the possession, the keeping, the maintenance, the non-losing of something, a person, a relationship, a health, or this or that. It's the value placed upon the, the, the retention, the possession, the retention of possession, um, the keeping and the holding and the not uh, losing. That value leads to the grief upon its loss. If somebody gives you, you know, a dry twig, uh, picks it up on the street and says, here, take this dry, dry twig. And you say, thank you, you crazy person. Uh, and then he says, please, let me take this dry twig from you. You say, you may have this twig with my blessing. But there's no grief. But if somebody does that to your wallet or your leg, or your uh, loved one, it's a problem. So there's grief, and dot, dot, dot. So grief as the result of attachment to continued possession or having something, which is pretty normal or pretty common and uh, not a problem. I mean, it's not, it's normative. It's, um, (laughs) it's the norm. Uh, But one can also say, that there's some delusion in the mind that is the basis of that valuation of unending keeping, possessing, and maintenance, retention. Because that's really how we look at desire. I don't want to get something so I can lose it. I want to get it so that I never lose it. But nobody thinks that way, because it's weird. Really, I want so I never lose it that which I hope to get. And yet it's inevitable in the world of change that we'll lose what we get or what we, the experience of what we get will change. You know? Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't be wanting and getting. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be feeling grief. There's no should here in play. There's just causality. If you want to be free of grief, you'd have to be free of desire. If you want to be free of desire, you'd have to be free of the delusion that leads to desire. The delusion that leads to desire 
seems to be some presumption of the possibility of escaping impermanence and the immaturity, irrationality, um, immaturity or unreasonability of the, of the desire to never lose or never have change or it's it's a kind of overvaluation on uh, presumed per- permanence. <laughs> I hope to keep it forever. Of course. Why? I don't want to get it so I can lose it. Unless I don't want it anymore, then I'm happy to lose it. But in general, there's a whole lot of uh, delusion. It's like people say, he's going to die? Oh, no, he, he was not going to die. Good, good, good. You mean he's not going to die now. He was going to die someday. He just won't die now, which is nice and good. But you will die. Everyone will die. All that comes goes. Um, All that's taken is given. Uh, There's some delusion associated with the formation of the attachment to an unchanging possession. And that's just a very brief introduction to that delusion because there's all sorts of other delusions associated with grasping that seeks to never let go which is very normal, Um, normal and causing suffering and caused by a certain kind of avidya. So look, look, look um, at uh, him within, laud him in your head. Um, You know, it's like um, um, see, to see uh, that which cannot be lost. That's the point. So um, all of this is about giving up the downward course, which is associated with um, wanting to have and keep forever. And uh, this is, you know, to see only the stone is delusion. And uh, there's some delusion to grief as well, (laughs) or delusion as the source of grief. Uh, And all of that is the outer, the downward, the... Uh, wild way, <laughs> it's really the wild way sounds kind of cool, but I think he means the um, the disordered, um, harmful way. And so um, we make our sorrow uh, partly by seeing the outer, not the inner, or seeing what we want, but not uh, how life is. There's what we want and how we feel, and then there's how life is. (laughs) Many people don't want to bend the mind to how life is, what is. So I say expect reality, not expect your preference. So in any case, all of this is his teaching to... um, offer people uh, a, a, a course change, a reorientation. Look with inner sight on the royal road, not to see only the stone, not to um, generate sorrow by mental delusion, uh, looking within, uh, not relying on the outer, um, the uh, looking with looking with inner sight on the royal road, which is really s- mind transformation. Mind transformation leads to self transformation, or mind purification leads to self transformation. Uh, 
mind, body, spirit. Mind is the main working. When mind has been worked well, um, everybody else follows along. So mind transformation as the key working that uh, can only be done by a willful reorientation of attention and value from uh, the outer to the inner, from the lower to the higher, which is the middle. Um, And so uh, don't overvalue the impermanent. (laughs) Rightly value the eternal. Something like that. Rightly value that which can really support abiding happiness or lead to unending bliss. Nitya, Nanda. Uh, And that's some comment to embellish the physical body without knowledge of the true significance. The true significance is the downward path. There is none mad in the world. (laughs) I don't know what that means. It sounds like there was maybe a dandy in the room who was embellishing his physical body without understanding sat, <laughs> or voiding sat. Uh, the mind was stuck in monastic uh, uh, outer focus. So, let me just see. And that'll... Um, let me just read the last verse on twenty-five, twenty-six bridge. Give up the gross joy and attain the subtler. Give up the gross sleep. Resort to the subtler. Get to the sleep of eternal delight. Get to it in the subtle state. Burn up the delusion of the mind. He is a Brahmin who has undergone the Upanayana ceremony. Establish the Upadi. Gaze into your heart, giving up all desire. With sight devoid of desire, look. Discard distinctions, burn up the idea of you and I. And that's where we'll end for today. Uh, maybe I can look into Upadi for next time and the Upanayana ceremony. It's just a you know physical ceremony for Brahmins getting initiation or something like that. Fine. Uh, but he's saying there's a greater initiation and it's associated with burning up delusion, and that's associated with um, dualistic pers- perspective or perception, stuck in the emotions of me and you. I'm better than you, you're better than me. He's better, I'm better. <laughs> better, worse, better, worse, more, less, uh, less and more. All of that is the world of, is the world <laughs> of um, birth and death, and change, and distinction, and monastic activity, and he's saying, see with the one eye, the one that is the nature of the many. And you get to eternal delight by the subtle state. <laughs> get to this, get to subtle state by subtle state. Burn up the idea of you and I, this is the delusion of the mind. And um, all of that, you know, sight devoid of desire, uh, which is a burning up of delusion or um, seeing beyond um, false, seeing emptiness, which is the seeing beyond false um, multiplicity, seeing that the multiplicity is a unity or knowing it, um, knowing it's all God or it's all one or it's all light or it's all of the divine play, Lila, 
uh, this um, really you can't do it without a quiet mind, and it's very hard to have silence of mind in a steady state, as Ross said, without practice. So that's it for today. Next time we'll start at the middle of 26 and um, go on from there. So in any case, I hope this was helpful. Um, thank you, everyone, and MP Pandit and uh, all the participants. So please take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.